Hello, do badders. It's Anya here, your shoddy social media manager for the Bad Boy Running Podcast and isolation expert. Um, so I know everyone is heavily affected by what's going on at the moment and I'm sorry about all your race cancellations. Uh, the food and drink industry has been pushed to breaking point in recent weeks and independent businesses need your support now more than ever. So please, please give them your trade if you are able to do so. Um, so for my sales pitch, um, I suspect some of you may be thinking about getting some beers in to see you through the next few weeks. Um, I work with Cloudwater Bruco, who are an amazing brewery based in Manchester. We make some of the best beers in the UK. We also make delicious sodas using ingredients from the brewery for anyone who isn't drinking. So we've got an option for you as well. You can order online with us by going to shop.cloudwaterbrew.co. Orders over £35 receive free delivery and orders over £100 for the ballers get a 10% discount. I hope no one is getting too lonely if you are self-isolating and I am genuinely very well practiced in it so do give me a shout if you need a pet talk. Uh, Other than that, do your press-ups and I'll see you on the other side. Fuck you buddies. Caffeine bullets Caffeine, 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 caffeine bullet. Caffeine bullet. Caffeine, 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 caffeine bullet. Caffeine, 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 caffeine bullet. If you still haven't tried caffeine bullet, get 25% off now at caffeinebullet.com using code FYB. They're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. But bye, 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 bye. But bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. But bye, 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 bye. But bye, 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 bye. Hello. 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 I'm all right. That wasn't our last episode. wasn't our last episode. We're here again. If you're if you're listening to this from the future, the coronavirus hasn't taken us yet. I think I think with these episodes from now, on, we should say what what time it is as a record. <laughs> like we, we start were... date start date nineteenth of March two thousand and twenty. Yeah, is exactly that's so. It gives more context, doesn't it? And yeah. um, it could yeah. So imagine. If in the future, in like, you know, what's it called? The year 20, 2732, they find some recordings and they go, we're going to build up a picture of a society um, based on, on these recordings that we found. Uh, and, and they find like the last three episodes or something. And it literally is just because we're the only people who have time stamped and given an indication of what it was like during. Yeah, during and they'll the be virus. like, it was, it was a utopian. Everyone's middle class. <laughs> everyone's got everyone is very eloquent you know terrible laughs terrible laughs they didn't do any exercise these guys though they didn't do any exercise yeah. at all even they, even their running heroes didn't even run <laughs> maybe running heroes a bit too far running, too. running must have meant something very different back then because why would you why would you have it call it running when there was no running involved so yeah there must have been a different semantic uh, uh meaning uh, behind the word we are well we, we're we're just about to go into lockdown properly like rumor has it tonight is when it all what's that song 187 lockdown was it called oh. Con- 
Fu. Do you remember that? Kung Fu by Oh Don't What a tune. That was a great tune. Especially because it is mixed in with the noises in it. The noises when you had a kind of nineteen nineties keyboard and it would make a gun noise and a dog noise and and all these orchestral hits. Orchestral hit was like was one of the ones on there. Dung 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 and they always it's used in so many so many different things. So if you haven't listened to that before, people, 187 Lockdown, Gunman, amazing tune. Um, yeah, we are, we're locked, we're locking down tonight. We've realised we've got two Weetabix in the whole house. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Briggsy, while we're recording the podcast on the last one, that may be the last one that went out, you may hear this in the background, Briggsy broke the oven shattered the glass in the oven somehow so now we're locked in with two weedabix and no oven well at least it's limited what you can buy at least you know that okay anything we need to cook that's no good and i don't think you'll be able to buy that anyway so you're not going to actually that's going to make you feel better what i don't understand about this whole lockdown about uh, about this panic buying mm. is the, the the choice of things that people are panic buying and i know it's like we're old toilet paper things like that but you know i've watched enough post-apocalyptic movies and read post-apocalyptic novels to know what you need in this and it's tins tins of beans that is what you need it they 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 cover everything no one seems to be buying them our post-apocalyptic understanding is really really weak it's because you can't leave the house and if imagine that a week of everyone eating beans (laughs) (laughs) if you've got one of those eco-friendly airtight houses wow I mean, do you not like a match? <laughs> did, I, did I read a story? I don't know if this is true or not. Or I hope it is. That when in uh, whatever the province is in, in China, uh, the, the place uh, in Wuhan. Wuhan. The well, Wu-Tang. no, it's that it. What, the what Wu-Tang was it no, 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 not the Wuhan. No, the, 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 the town within the city within it that's at the epicenter in the Wuhan province. Uh, but when they opened up the restrictions again, 88 couples filed for divorce. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. We were thinking of that of our friends as well. <laughs> and especially because we've, we've just started watching Love is Blind. which Oh, is... have you? Oh, my God. <laughs> There's a Netflix recommendation. I didn't know whether to really to recommend it on here. I, think, I don't know if this is really Target market. Yeah. But, oh, my God. I don't know whether it's the way it's edited and stuff like that. There is some absolute gold in there. It's a bit How, lowbrow what? for us, isn't it? It is a bit lowbrow. Yeah, it is a bit lowbrow. <laughs> it's a you know, reality show, but it, but it 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 gets really really interesting later. Where where were you up to? So okay, no wait. Before we go, before we go on, okay. Love is blind. Is what they call an experiment, which is basically blind dates. But instead of just going on a date, they get married. They've got to get married after thirty days, and so they spend these time. They, they lots of different. Um, people who've never met each other, who can't see each other, have conversations, dates, as they call them, but from but from behind a screen. And I, I think the critical element of the format is clearly, if you don't propose to someone within four days and pretend you're in love, you're no longer on the show. Yeah, that I mean that is brilliant. They don't mention that, but there's some guy in the background the whole time, and you never hear from him, and he's and he's now gone. And you're like, right, you didn't find someone. You didn't find love, you're out. You don't get to go to this amazing, beautiful Paradise Island. So clearly, uh, because people, ge- I, 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 haven't, I still haven't got to the point where I'm, I understand whether they genuinely think they're in love. Because I, I know sometimes when you say you meet someone new for the first time, 
you can have crazy intense experiences yeah and I imagine that would be even more heightened in a situation like that well it's it's, it's like it's like um it's like a holiday romance um you know yeah. it's it's like love in a vacuum that's weird that was a weird <laughs> thing to say <laughs> not, not <laughs> loving <laughs> a vacuum <laughs> <laughs> Or are you thinking of loving an elevator? Giving it up when you're going down? <laughs> no, Give no, it I was talking about, down. I was talking about loving a vacuum with a. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, or, or like on Love Island, because people go, oh, you know, how can people say they love each other after about that? Well, it's just really intense, isn't it? Like that intensity, and it is you confuse with like some kind of like real. Yeah, you know, I'm sure it's really meaningful at the time, but we've all it's kind exciting. of been there. it's exciting isn't it and it just you know things develop very quickly but i think this is an interesting it, i think it was a really interesting concept but fundamentally there is that thing underneath it of like these are people that want to be on tv yeah and 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 the fact so i am at the point where they've several couples have that the couples have just emerged yeah we've had one episode of them where they basically all shag except for the one couple where the guy's obviously a bit of a psychopath and she's aware of this and pretending she's in love and all of that, but clearly is wants the other guy. Um, you're not even narrowing it down here. I'm not, I'm not sure you're talking about the guy's a psychopath. But also the guy goes, then another guy basically goes, hey, I'm bisexual. I can't handle that. So I'm going to throw it on you and be like, why aren't you supporting me? Why aren't you supporting me? <laughs> I know. Bitch. And she then goes, go sit on a dick, and they then <laughs> <laughs> split up straight away. One day after proposing, yeah. <laughs> that is love, my friends. That is love. It's, uh, even though he's giving it away, it's worth watching the whole thing play out as well. Because it, it you know, it, the whole point of it was that you're supposed to be like completely honest. That's the thing. You're meeting strangers, being completely honest with them, and you're sharing it. And he, he fails to tell her about this this major thing which is going on in his life which affects everything um and then when <laughs> when he does he's an absolute dick about it it's yeah. quite it's quite extraordinary um yeah, yeah. what a show. so um i've no idea how we got into this uh why we're talking oh yes yeah, so even on that like the intensity of that there are quite a few f- friends in my friendship group where for example pork pie and cupid they are not good in each other's company. I don't think anyone in confinement with pork pie <laughs> would be good. I don't. I don't think that's that. That's her issue. I just think that's a pork pie issue. So he's since Corona has been coming, he has just been brainstorming of how can I avoid having to spend quality time with my girlfriend? <laughs> he wanted to go abroad. He's now suggesting sailing holidays. Oh anything. yeah. What was, what was all your plans for the Azores and stuff? What, what I take it. That's all gone. Well, we were thinking about it. And then actually I looked at it and thought, well, I'm just going to spend it. The, the packages aren't cheaper. Oh, are they not. They hadn't, I think flights are cheaper, but then actually most of the, most of the airlines reduced their flights from five yeah, a day yeah. to one a day and kept the prices up, as you would. So you, uh, we were essentially going to pay to go abroad to then work in a holiday resort, having paid holiday money. Yeah. Like, well, I'd, I'd, I'd rather go on holiday or stay at home and work. <laughs> but we were, we were getting the both the worst of both worlds. Yeah. I think if we were to plan it properly, we'd, what we should do is book a three-day, all-inclusive, five-star luxury weekend, leaving tonight. Yeah. So that when we get locked out tomorrow, 
we've only paid for the three-day all-inclusive five-star, but we're then there until we can come back in, which is going to be a month. That's how you do it. But you're then at a risk of <laughs> somehow having to pay five-star prices for a month, depending how it pans out. So. <laughs> That's it. You're like, oh, we're we're forced to be here. Surely it's free now. And they're like, no. You're like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. I've, mis- I've misunderstood how this works. <laughs> do you do baked beans? <laughs> do, do, can we, do, do you need any help in the kitchen? Uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think we're anticipating we're just going to cycle around to friends' houses and do dinner parties and games nights for a few weeks. Haven't they? St- haven't they just banned cycling in France? Maybe in France, but ooh, wow! France banned cycling. I think but, we're following very closely behind them now. But we, all of our friends so far, who think they've got it, are the people where if we'd have said which of our friends do we think are going to think they've got it, <laughs> <laughs> it's all of them. It's all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, how much of this? And like, Briggsy and I are slightly ill. Yeah, but. It's because, oh, I haven't told this. I had my hen weekend. What? I had my hen weekend last weekend. Hen weekend? Yeah. What? So, I, uh, because I have many fabulous female friends, um, I wanted Does to... Does any of the other women know that it was, the, it was your hen weekend? <laughs> you didn't just, you didn't just, like, invite yourself to... No, no um, I have a maid of honour. The lovely Ali Irving. Oh, okay. And uh, she organised a hen weekend where Ali Bailey was invited, but sadly felt she needed some some time some time outside. Um, but yeah, my basically my fabulous girly friends. We all had a proper hen weekend. It was amazing. Oh, so that's why. Well, we started with a hot tub in a boat, a floating hot tub in Canary Wharf. Um, <laughs> Which I was given a mankini to wear, and oh, I'll tell I bet you, what, you wore it. Well, <laughs> the trouble is, trouble is when you're in like a hot tub, those your bits do not stay where they should be. Well, well they're supposed to, David. That's the thing. They're supposed to. That's not an excuse. I don't think a judge will ever listen to that. <laughs> I can't help where they go. <laughs> yeah, these things steer themselves. <laughs> Got a mind of its own. I don't blame me. <laughs> So we did that. Then we had a nice lunch where we, we got boozed up. And um, I was what well. What define, define a nice lunch? It was Big Easy. Big Easy, kind of American food, barbecue stuff, bottomless brunch. I was dressed as a hen. Then we went to, apparently we were going to go and see rugby, but that was cancelled. So we went and played darts, played a game of blind killer with forfeits, which was great. What does, dressed what, as a cheerleader. What does that mean? Oh, it's a, if, you, if you don't know what, do you know what the game killer is? Game killer is where each person has a number. Right. You have to hit your number until you have enough lives. Five lives makes you a killer. Yeah. That means when you hit other people's numbers, you then take a number down from them. So um, you build yourself up to then kill other people. I, but... ju- I thought that was going to be a lot more fun than, than or a lot more imaginative than... than... Well, well, that's killer. But blind killer, no one knows what anyone else's number is. So you can't actually pick on people. And when you lose, you then... Oh, oh, no, did people throw darts at you at some point? They, I mean, the darts were bad enough that they were probably aiming at the board, but it fell that way. (laughs) And then we went for bingo. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> we went for Boozy Bingo where they had. Uh, I just wanted to stay away from older people. <laughs> That's true. It was pretty raucous for as bingo goes. It was kind of a disco bingo where they got you on stage to do things and um none of the numbers, none of the phrases, they changed them all into slightly rude and risque things. Yeah. Uh it was great. And then about eleven thirty we were all so drunk, we we're like, we've got to go home. Um oh, and I was dressed in a wedding dress at that point. Oh so I God, then how many, how many, uh... Four changes four change clothes. Four what change are you in clothes. Miss Universe or something? What? Yeah, four change clothes. So then, um, then walk through Brixton in my wedding dress and a full makeup, and yeah, they weren't. They were a lot more hostile than I was expecting. <laughs> I thought people were going to think like on the tube, people loved it. Again, Brixton, there was a there was a tension <laughs> as I was walking back. Got to say, I wasn't feeling that safe. <laughs> So that's why that's partly why Briggs and I are feeling slightly ill is because we've just been on the lash thinking we're going to be in lockdown as opposed to having caught anything yet. <laughs> what have you caught? Actual coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. But um, Beer Lovers Marathon's cancelled. Oh, I was going to ask you, do you think that's going to happen? Because I've kept, I've kept, uh, I kept checking that because I was about to buy the um, Eurostar. Nah, it's all... I'm, I'm buying that for everyone anyway, but um, yeah, it's 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 not official yet. But by the time this comes out, it will be official. The trouble is that everything's going into September and October, and <laughs> it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, and and that's also wedding season for a lot of our friends. So I don't know what's gonna happen. I, I assume Stag is gonna be can- cancelled as well, and I don't know whether. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen. We're gonna be missing a lot of weddings. <laughs> yeah. But some people will have to cancel and our wedding's in july so i'm hoping it's okay by then but what do you think for a bit instead of beer lovers should we just hire a house for 80 people and just do a big house party for the weekend everyone's got the weekend off or is that overly optimistic uh i think i think it's sensible i think it's really sensible that they've they've called it off because there's just so much uncertainty at this point you just like because once we're out of it, we'll go. Oh, that didn't last very long, or oh, we knew a thing, but without knowing where where the end point is, you just you just don't know. I think um, I I've, I was pondering the other day and all the great race ideas that we've had. Yeah, and I still think that there is legs in um, race for left, which I think is still you know still using Belgian beer. You find a field or somewhere, we get the inflatable pub. And then that is the stopping point. You know, laps, and that's the stopping point. You run into the pub to refuel. And there can have be music in there. And th- I still think that's a great idea. Yeah, that's good. And, well, there's got to be some race um, some race ideas now where we were, th- we were thinking of, of doing a, a random race through London. There's no one there. And the rule is, whenever you get to a turn to a junction you can't go the same direction as the person before you because you've got to self-isolate and so you've got to get from a to b but no one can like one in three people has to take a is is going left or right or straight on oh really yeah and that way everyone's spread out and also you're legging it to get to that junction first so you can get straight yeah but i don't know how I've heard rumours of the troops coming back from Afghanistan to police London. Oh, really? And only one person's going to be allowed out um, in, a, in a set time to go shopping from each household. Um, 
you could have an amazing game of Pac-Man with uh, with the army. Um, the army are ghosts, and everyone's <laughs> dead. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the, st- the stakes are a little bit higher, I think, with this, but it just adds that extra element to it that I think would be really, really beneficial. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> what would the uh, what would you be picking up? Instead oh, you, of- oh, 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 do you know what? This would be the perfect time to do a zombie marathon, wouldn't it? Like, it looks post-apocalyptic out there. Um, you know, the, the army's out, and all of a sudden, a big group of people dressed as zombies are running along. Like... It, it just it would absolutely freak out people looking out of their windows at that moment <laughs> like going, what actually is happening and i think if you get a film crew along you could pretty much make the uh, the next episode uh, in the uh, 28, 28 days later, later. yeah yeah so 28 like, yeah, months so later 20 wait, yeah 20 yeah that's it it'd be 28 months later wouldn't it that's the thing we're at the stage now where i don't know what we can do as jokes and not because obviously lots of people are dying uh, and there's going to be a load more, and like, uh, are we did you? And... I know, I know. I, well, we we've been really careful in the in the group to make sure that there's no jokes about that, um, and there's no jokes about it. Um, but did you see that all of that news? Which I'm not sure it's true or not, but about like the environment healing itself, like in in Venice, like dolphins returning to the uh, to the coast because of you know there's no cruise ships and. The fact that you can actually, you know, all the sediment is settled. Planes are down. Yeah, and all like this big, you know, all the all the all the, the CO two and everything is uh, like dissipating over over like big cities and everything. Have all the have all the animals escaped from the zoos? I know that's <laughs> the like twelve thing. monkeys. It's, it's, yeah, that's it. It's like what happens next? There were used to there was a program on once called What Happens When We Like. Uh, uh, it was something about a, a representation of what happens if all of a sudden humans disappeared. How quickly would nature reclaim cities and towns and everything? Um, and it and, and it was like it was like literally within weeks things would start going to shit like like uh things would start overgrowing to a point where they would be unusable so it just really makes you realize how much like we have to kind of tame nature in order to in order to to, to let civilization's wheels turn so do you think we're going to come out of the house in a month and there's just there's gonna gonna be be, jungle. there's going to be tigers <laughs> going, down, going down that street and like, holy shit <laughs> this has gone this is escalated <laughs> I mean, maybe that's how they do it. Instead of releasing the, the, the army, they should just release tigers into the streets. Uh, wild, just wild cats. That, <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. The thing is, I, like I say, I, I, the good thing about it, people have talked a lot about like, anxiety and you know, worry and things like that. In my mind, I have prepared for this for years and years like since i was seven i've been prepared for this like this to me i'm so calm it's unbelievable it's like i know what to do in this situation because i've played out every scenario i am absolutely okay with all of this how how does it go down oh everyone dies i mean i don't but everyone else does is this your way of winning the london marathon (laughs) i don't know if we can (laughs) but even even that is because there will be some people definitely that will run London. Because yeah. Because that's how people are. 
Well, that's the British way, isn't it? To not listen to any advice. Yeah, it is. And that's quite a disobedient group of people, I think. Like, we we love it when people tell us to, like, the amount of people who are stuck at home, who literally are always stuck at home, and, like, and and all of a sudden they're told they have to stay at home, and all of a sudden they become the most, like, um, uh, wonder lustful. Uh, I no one's, <laughs> no one's confining me to Netflix. I want to go out. I want to live life. Yeah. I want to socialize. Like you always used to stay at home and sit on your ass and watch Netflix. Like what? What's changed? Just because the government's told you you have to do it. Like this is your time. You know, excel at what you're good at. We yeah. The, yeah. No, you'll never keep me down. You'll never keep my spirit down. You can't tell me no, to what to do. No matter who you are, even though you're a government, I'm going out. You'd like you literally. You're the, like the most antisocial human being on the planet. Like you, you got no, you got no friend. Where are you going to go? And we're talking to you, listener. We're, we're talking about you, listener. <laughs> you know, you know who we mean. You know who we mean. You loser. You bloody loser. <laughs> we're talking to ourselves. That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm talking to myself. But that's the thing. I don't I don't know where like the idea of going and running London is really fun and really great. But then is it the worst thing possible? And actually, is it going to be a massive strain on um, on resources? And will it cause loads of problems? It's always it's not it's not the actual the events and everything. It's just it's the it's those resources being used up, isn't it? Like when they're when they're really imagine people start running London and people get injured and start you know get hurt and stuff like that and you're calling unless unless we dress as soldiers and then chase the people running it as if we're trying to solve the problem uh, uh, <laughs> i don't know if that changes anything in terms of the emergency services uh <laughs> yeah yeah true true well the we were going to be interviewing yesterday the founder so the race director of the London Marathon. Um, yeah, they've cancelled that one, understandably. They've even cancelled the podcast. We're tell you, we're not, we, we're, we know, we understand that we're probably the only news source you listen to any, no, any more, uh, now. Listen and this to, is so. a month out of date. <laughs> exactly. We're, <laughs> but, this is the only news source you listen to. So <laughs> this is a month out of date. If it's got substantially worse than all of our humour here, is gonna be so. It's gonna land so badly. But we are. If you're, if you're wanting to go outside and run long distances by yourself, and you're frustrated, you can't do that. Our next guest is gonna put you off that idea. <laughs> it's, yes. Take it away, Nick. No, I was gonna do. Oh. I was gonna say. I was gonna say that um, this person shows you that. Even though you're going through hardship, compared with him, you are pathetic. You are <laughs> absent. You are absent. You're moaning. You're whining. You are pathetic. But I think I like your one better. It's like you just don't go out. You're allowed to go out for a run on your own. But just consider after listening to our next guest. Yeah. Do you want to? <laughs> yeah. Take it. Yeah. You pathetic loser. Take it away. Not, not, not the guest. The listener. The listener. Take it away, Nick. <laughs> So, Duvalis, we've got a, a guest on who you've probably read about a few weeks ago, and quite a few of you requested that we try and get Joe on. I won't say too much about his story because, um, well, that, that's why he's on the podcast. But welcome onto the podcast, the incredible Joe Oldendorf. Hi, guys. 
<laughs> it's <laughs> it's normally two of us that are cheering when when we're kind of interviewing someone. It's a bit weirder when it's just me cheering at you and we're just looking at each other. But um, hopefully, it makes you feel warm. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> how are you there? How um how are things at the moment? Uh, they're pretty good. Uh, just back at my folks' place, uh, just outside Chicago, resting up. Uh, got to keep weight off the leg for another month or so, and then on to physical therapy from there. So, uh, I don't know. I can't, can't really work, and I need some help making meals and stuff. So it's good to be back home. That my parents take wow. care. Uh, when's the, when did you last live at home? Oh, probably about. Let's see. It would have been 2011. Oh, so a fair bit of time. Oh, that's not true. There was a year in there, maybe in 2015, I was back for a bit. But So uh, you're getting on under each other's nerves yet, or is it, is it actually nah, lovely to be? It's been all good stuff so far, but uh, there's a timestamp on it for sure. <laughs> is that from, more from you or more from them, do you think? Certainly from me. <laughs> well, um, before we go into kind of that day, what, what, tell us a bit about your kind of background and your experience of trail running and um, and how you tend to run. Sure. So uh, uh, I've been distance running since I was in seventh grade, since, since I was like 11. Uh, ran cross country and track all through junior high and high school, ran cross country in college. And then uh, I graduated college in 2015 and I started doing a lot more of the long stuff, like wanted to do marathons but I wasn't stoked on doing like a dedicated plan so I would more just go out and go on these like real long runs one-off runs like every couple of weeks I'd go on like a 20 miler uh, and just started to fall in love with like I don't know this this different feeling you get when you've been exercising for more than two hours straight you like I don't know your, your body starts to like mellow out and it's more of like a meditation kind of thing and I mean uh, I'd, I'd describe after 20 miles very different to meditation and chilling out. My body <laughs> seems to be screaming and desperately crying to stop. But sure. I have a different experience. Maybe I'm a freak, but that's how my body works. Uh, <laughs> once I break through a certain threshold, that's when it starts feeling really good. Have uh, you done a lot of kind of ultras and things like that then? Or has it tended to just be how you've, uh, you've just gone out by yourself? Uh, so I... So after college, I, I started doing marathons. I did, I did this one, little one in Michigan, and then I did Boston. Um, and I liked the distance, but I didn't like running on pavement or uh, running in cities. You know, like the city marathon thing isn't isn't very fun to me. It's it's way too chaotic. Mm. Uh, so uh, that's when I started looking more towards the trails, and I was just kind of doing training on trail runs. I was living in Colorado at the time. This was maybe uh, three years ago. Uh, I was just doing some good mountain running in Colorado pretty inconsistently and then uh, just decided to sign up for a trail 50k uh, when I was certainly not in shape for it but just wanted to kind of force myself to do it and I loved the distance I think that's probably my favorite so far I've done uh, three three 50ks and a 50 miler since then and do you tend to run by yourself then or is is there a culture of kind of grouping together to go on these longer runs uh training wise i pretty much only run by myself um it's been a while i mean i i ran on a team for so long that i kind of loved being able to run on my own and like go out and run by feel and i don't know go out without any uh like goal in mind and then sometimes run for an hour sometimes run for five hours you know uh and then not have to worry about the next day because it was all on me. 
so I liked doing that. And then once I started getting into like the 20, 30, 35 mile trail runs, I don't know anybody else that would want to go with me on those. So, <laughs> so I'm kind of forced to be by myself, but I also prefer it. It's a, like I said, it's kind of a meditative thing. So it's nice to be, be out there in nature by yourself. So you'll but, quite regularly kind of go out and, and run actual marathons or, or longer just um, just for the hell of it solo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, probably like one to three times a week I'll go out and do 20 plus on trails. Whoa. I mean, <laughs> that is quite that's quite a lot for most people. Um, even I mean, that, that's a huge amount. That's quite a lot. Even if you're a professional athlete. It is a lot, but I don't uh, I don't actually run exorbitant amount of miles in total. So like I, I don't run most days, I would say, because I don't love running on pavement. Um, and it, it takes a while to get out to those mountain trails. So I kind of would just go and do all my training in like one or two big blocks per week. So I might, I might go on to 20 milers, but then I'll only run 40 miles that week. And how do you how do you choose where you go and, and how we because it's quite hard sometimes to get a sense of isolation from the uk because everywhere in the uk even if it is isolated it probably means that there's going to be set trails that everyone knows and you're you're actually going to have people semi-frequently going on them sure so uh that's where running real long comes in handy so uh i'll go to trails that are usually pretty popular especially once the weather is better uh there are three big national parks within a couple hours of seattle uh, so those all have like amazing long, long, hard trail networks. Um, so I, I'll go and do those. And then a, a lot of times like near near the trailhead, it'll be crowded like the first couple miles in. But if I'm running more than 10, 20 miles, most of the middle section, I'm all by myself. Because um, how frequently would you say, say you did a month's worth of, worth of long runs, how, how often would you actually meet someone? after the first few miles across the whole month um in the summer depending on like if i'm in a national park i'll i'll see people for the first like 10 miles of the trail probably Mm -hmm. because a lot of people do backpacking and the trails i tend to run i'm looking for trails where i can go 20 to 30 miles and those tend to be popular backpacking routes like four-day backpacking trips Mm -hmm. Uh, so i'll see those kind of people but they're out there can't like setting up camp and stuff and i'm just kind of flying through and going back to my car and um and so on the day the the incident happened then talk us through what you had planned for that um so so in the winter is when those trails are a lot more desolate uh just like most of the trails that i would love to run in the summer i can't even do in the winter because there'll be like feet of snow on them Mm. So the reason I was out where I was is that that the Olympic Peninsula is mostly pretty low elevation, but it has mountains. So you do a lot of climbing without seeing much snow. Um, so, wait, sorry, repeat the question on that one. Oh, what, well, was I- what did you have planned for that day? Yeah. Yeah. So that day I just wanted to go out there. It was probably like a three hour drive from my house. So I, I don't know, I slept in, took my time, uh, drove over there and just planned on running i wanted to run at least 20 that day because uh, i was feeling real good that week and i had the day off work and i had uh, i had just found that trail uh, a couple weeks before that like I, I was really familiar with the area but not i hadn't been to that specific trail um prior to like a week or two before that run 
And uh, I really liked it, but the day I went, I got too late of a start, so I didn't get to go as deep in as I'd like to. So I, I was excited to go back and then see how far I could go before I hit snow. Uh, and is, is it so your the temperature outside is and this is where, this is where i realized i don't know anything about fahrenheit yeah um, what well, kind of temperature would it be is it near freezing um temperatures out on the in the air no so at the time it was uh it was a like a really good stretch of weather in seattle so i i don't know if you're familiar with the stereotype of seattle weather but the the winters mm. are real me wet cold it's like 45 fahrenheit consistently which is just like a little bit too cold uh yeah and then uh but that that week it was like upper 50s and sunny for a few days straight uh so that's why i had gone out for like three long runs in a row and that was the third one um so it was it was like pretty warm like exactly how you would want it to be for running uh yeah. temperature when i started so and and what do you take when you do a run like that what what goes in your in your pockets or do you take a bag yeah, I carry a hydration vest, so um, I've got a bladder and two chest bottles, so three liters of water. Um, I've got a Ziploc full of trail mix, so probably like seven or 800 calories. Um, iodine t- capsules in case I need to get any extra water, and then second pair of gloves, an extra hat, um, uh, external phone charger. Um, so actually pretty prepared. Headband. Oh, I yeah. Mean- I, mean, I don't know what the the standard would be um for a run like that but in the uk i'd i'd quite probably go out with um just a bag of shot blocks and you know one bottle of water i guess i the difference is you, you'd more likely be able to find somewhere with water but other than water i typically would go with much at all yeah it's uh it's kind of something i've learned uh doing these long solo runs is that like First of all, like I said, sometimes I'll just decide on a whim. I want to go a lot longer than I than I planned for. So I always pack so that I can run like 35 miles if I have to or if I decide to. Um, <clears throat> so like it had been just kind of trial and error over the last couple of years of realizing things that I wished I had once I was really exhausted. So now I, I started like way over prepping on food and water um, and just having like backup stuff because once i start running a little past sundown the temperature changes a lot i kind of have to change my clothes up uh, always have a rain jacket because you never know in those mountains when it's going to start pouring and uh, just kind of ready for any weather changes or and are like, you are you following a map or f- running via your phone or is the trail clear enough that you can the trail feel clear so the trail starts in a national forest and then goes into a national park so it's really well maintained um uh, so I was just running on a single trail and I knew it was an out and back. Uh, I think it's like a 17 mile long segment. So I knew I could go up to 34 mm. uh, and yeah, there's really no getting lost cause there aren't, it doesn't really intersect any other trails. So I knew which trail I was on and I knew the map, but it's really just going straight out, straight back. And uh, so where did it all go wrong then? Uh, so run was going great all the way through the first half i ended up turning around at like 10.2 miles because the snow was just pretty unbearable uh it just got way too deep and i couldn't keep track of the trail anymore and the it was getting kind of late so i decided to turn around and everything was going normal and then uh i passed by this like waterfall 
that had left a bunch of ice um, on the rocks. And it, I remember because I had stopped there on the way out because it, it had like some really cool like melting ice going on. Took some videos of it, which is, a, I don't know, foreshadowing because that's like exactly. <laughs> oh. uh, so on the way back, I, I walked through that section, took it really easy. And then uh, after I walked through the long ice section, I started jogging just a little bit, like real slow, but still down this um, this descent. And there was like a three-inch patch of ice that my left foot just kind of slid a little bit on. Very minor, and I just heard it snap. It was like, it was like my foot didn't really slide, but my body weight slid with the descent. So mm. like the weight of my body kind of snapped the leg forward while my foot stayed in place. And uh, yeah, just like snapped off the bottom three inches of my tibia, like the shin bone. The fibula just kind of, I don't know if it shattered, but it broke into like several pieces. And were you in agonizing pain at that moment or had adrenaline kicked in? Uh, I didn't feel it. So like, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever had a, a, a scare where you like roll an ankle when you're way out on a trail run, but I, I've mm. definitely had that where, where I just roll it or sprain it. And that instant is like really scary. But uh, usually those don't turn out to be anything. So at first I thought like, oh crap, I just sprained my ankle. Um, but I was I was pretty scared because I made a big pop and then uh, <clears throat> sat down on my butt and to to like kind of analyze the injury and my foot just splayed straight to the left like it was untethered. It just like flopped all the way over and I knew I was screwed right then. Like th this is really badly broken. There's no way I can hobble on it. Um, so I sat there and I couldn't hold it upright. So I knew I couldn't be sitting. Um, so I tried laying face down and as long as my toes were pointed at the ground, it felt like it was kind of in alignment, you know? Mm. <clears throat> and, uh, I don't, I've taken a wilderness first aid course before, which is just like the most basic level of that. And, uh, so I, I knew that the the worry at that point is losing circulation below the fracture. Like I knew I'd lose my foot had I lost circulation. So, um, I could kind of tell that when I was laying in that position that I wasn't losing circulation, like I could still wiggle my toes and I could see that there was blood flow. So I figured I just need to stay in this position the whole time, uh, to try to prevent that. And, uh, just instantly started crawling. Cause I, re I remembered I had seen, some hikers at like the three mile mark from the trailhead and they were setting up camp at that point. So that, that was like, I don't know, like half an hour into my run. So I knew, or I was pretty certain that they would be at that campsite and that so would have been five, seven and miles away. Is it five and a half miles? Yeah. Cause I was probably, I was probably two miles back from the turnaround. So that'd be like eight, eight point something from the trailhead. So that would put me about five point something from that camp. Here is an important safety announcement. When you're thinking of a sporting hobby to pursue, please choose carefully. The decision to don lycra and nonce around on cheap machines has cost the dignity and respect of many men and women. Once thought of as alright or a nice bloke, these individuals through their hobby have become known as a bit of a twat or fucking boring on about his bike. Don't make this mistake. Think bike, think cheating bastard. Um, so e even then you you were just thinking i'm gonna crawl that whole distance yeah i i i realized right away that's my only chance like the sun's about to set 
I'm eight miles down a trail that people don't frequent, especially this time of year. Like, even if I were to sit there for 24 hours on Mount Sterden, I would have seen anybody. Mm. Uh, so I, I just knew, like, all right, I got to get to those people. That's my that's my shot. Um, and were uh, you thinking as well that was it too cold that during the night you'd potentially freeze over? Or um, I didn't even stop to think about that yet because the sun was still out. Um, I don't know. I was all pumped on adrenaline and just like I need to get myself out of this situation right now. Um, so I just started moving, and at that point, I wasn't thinking about the cold yet because it wasn't it wasn't a factor as much as just I need to to get treated for this this fracture. Like I can't I can't let this sit the way it is, or I'm going to lose my foot. And, um, and what what was the so it, it was it was at that stage just sort of keeping your keeping your foot as opposed to survival. Um. I mean, I I realized that I was in a life or death situation, essentially, like being so remote. But I I don't know. There was like a like a cognitive dissonance to to realizing mm-hmm. the situation and just kind of simplifying it in my brain. Like, okay, you're gonna go make friends with these people at this camp. They're gonna help keep you warm, and someone's gonna go get you help. Uh, like, I, I just needed help. I need to go get help. Uh, so that's all I was doing, just one track mind move. And, and what was the t- terrain like between you and there? Were you, what was the actual, what was it like underfoot or under stomach? And also, what was the elevation change like? It was rough, man. So uh, I told you those trails are well maintained and mm. they are more in the summer. In the winter, those trees get super waterlogged, so all the dead ones kind of just fall and being that far down trail they don't they don't clean that up in the winter uh so i I actually fell at like a really bad time where i still had to go through a lot of washouts on the trail um so like immediately after i fell i had to go through this section where there were all these fallen trees like like three or foot four foot wide trees on Mm -hmm. the trail i had to crawl up and over or army crawl underneath uh, and big boulders and it was almost an impossible task. Like if it, if it didn't happen right, right away, like if, if I had that section after a few hours of crawling, I don't know if I would have gotten through it. It was so difficult and so painful because I couldn't keep my ankle steady because I was going sideways. I had to stand upright at certain points um, and just trying to like crawl over things that are like three or four feet high without letting my ankle move. And so that that's what was causing you pain to begin with, just any movement of the ankle at all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had to go through a lot of those kind of washouts. They'd be like uh, like twenty yard, twenty meter sections, and then it would be a little bit little bit more doable for a bit, and then I would hit another one of those sections. So it was a lot of those right for the first couple miles. So that took a lot out of me, but uh, but I just. And kind we- were you non-stop throughout that period or were there times where you try and rest and, and then maintain your effort? Um, I had to rest only in that um, <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of upper body strength as it is and that it was like I was doing push-ups for 10 hours. Uh, just like the shoulder and the chest fatigue was insane. Mm. So I would crawl and crawl and crawl and then they would just kind of give out and I would lay down on my forearms for 30 seconds and then just keep going. Um, 
but yeah, I went through the, all those washouts and then I had to start a, a big climb. There was like one big peak between me and the camp that I had to get to. And uh, I think it's like 10 or a, or a thousand or 1100 feet climb. Oh my God. Yeah. So I did that. And then at the top of that is where I got cell service. And, uh, that was honestly, that's a miracle. You don't, you don't get cell service out there. I didn't anticipate that happening at all. And, uh, that's certain. Did you know from taking your phone out or did it, did messages suddenly come through? Uh, I just heard it ring messages started coming through and and before then because quite a few people who we've, we've put out the questions to our group and some people have asked whether you know, potentially crutches were possible or using a staff to to lean on it was that not possible because you were worried about the circulation to your foot or was it just unachievable because of how messed up the leg was uh it was unachievable for for how the fracture was like when i was standing upright it wouldn't be in place it was like the bones would grind against each other or or against the other tissue and it was just so painful to be upright um so like i said only being down with my toes pointed at the earth that's when the pain would kind of relax so for that reason i couldn't do it plus the distance that i had to cover Hmm. there's no way i could have done it like just hobbling uh i figured crawling would be a lot faster and i don't know i wasn't worried about the knee wounds because i knew that the skin would heal uh so i I figured i'd rather sacrifice my knees for getting out of here quicker than try to improvise something like that like are you you crawling on like rocks or is it woods or is it muds grass it it kind of a lot of uh, all that uh mostly mostly mud rocks and roots um some creek crossings uh, some snow when I first fell that first half mile was still a lot of snow so that's kind of what rubbed my knees raw was the the snow and then going up and over those trees because mm. could you was that starting to then be an issue of continuing to the pain in your legs as well yeah yeah once they got raw um having to put them straight onto rock or straight onto tree was just like almost unbearable so that that's when I thought to take my shoes off um which was really difficult to do with like the swelling and with trying not to hurt that ankle but Mm. i kind of figured it was my best bet so i took them off tied around my knees but it wasn't great and did did you like what was going through your head throughout this were you always confident that you'd you'd get to that camp or were there times when you were waiting trying to as you say, pause and rest that you were thinking about it all coming to an end for, for most of it, I was pretty, pretty damn confident that I would make it to those guys. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's kind of a, like I was, I'm saying, I like running multiple hours cause you get in that kind of Zen thing. Uh, it's kind of like a, a skill I've learned through running that when I go out, I don't uh, I don't think about the amount of miles I have left. I kind of think like I could run for three more hours, and then I just kind of shut down or shut my brain off a little bit and go on to like this meditative state where I just am just going one step at a time, not really thinking about the total. So uh, so I just kind of tapped into that while I was crawling, and it was like just like a, another run in a way. Do you think if you hadn't been a runner then, if you hadn't had those experiences, you'd have been able to um, continue for as long as you did? 
Uh, I don't think so. No, I think, I think the shape that I'm in from it and having those skills and like the confidence of knowing that I could just move my body for like a very, very long time. Uh, I, that made me pretty confident. Like I, I can crawl all night. I can crawl to those people as long as somebody else can help me. And once I get to them, I think I'll be okay. Um, so, so when you then had the reception, what was the, who did you call? What was the first thing that like, you said? I called 911 um, and they, they just send you to the general dispatch. So they, they, I was to the, I was to the city. Um, so then she had to redirect me to a different one. And then I told my story again, and then that was the wrong person. So they dispatched me to a third party. Oh God! All this time, I'm freaking out. Like I'm gonna lose service. I, it's a miracle I have you on the line. Can you just mm-hmm. communicate this for me? Um, but they got me to the right person, and I, I told the story again. And uh, the woman just said, like, "All right, stay where you're at. We've we've got people in a town like 20 miles from there. We'll get them to you." Um, I didn't know who would be coming. I didn't know how long it would take. She said she had no idea. Um, and I st- she told me to stay put. And I said, I-, I can't do that. Like, it's freezing out here. I'm not going to make it if I stay put. Um, and that was it. She asked if I wanted to stay on the line. But I said, like, no, I got to keep moving. So I hung up with her. And then that was, that was the first relief I got where I thought, like, OK, I think this is going to work out. Like, I, it, I think it's still going to be hell, but I think I'm going to make it through this. And because uh, was it dark at that stage? It was. That was uh, that was at like 12:30, like a little after midnight. Um, and I fell at 5:45, so that's six and a half, seven hours in. Uh, and, and what kind of physical state were you in? It. I was. Uh, I was pretty exhausted because I had just done that long climb. Mm. So I was really tired, but. So I laid down after I made the call and I, I have an emergency blanket in my bag, you know, there's like reflecting things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never used it before. I just always had it in there for emergencies and took it out and it, it turned out to be a piece of crap. <laughs> it kind of just like ripped in two when I took it out. And, oh, God. But, I, but I laid down with that and just thought I'll get some rest. Maybe I'll stay here and wait it out. Um, and I gave it a minute or two and I was still just shivering. Uh, and knew like there's no way I can do this. I can't just sit here. Um, so I just got got right back to it, but with like a new kind of <clears throat> like sense of hope. And then mm. I knew people were at least coming, but I had no idea what it was going to be. I was picturing it was just going to be like one cop coming and have to carry me out. But uh, and did did you have a sense of how long you think you could go on for? Uh, honestly, I thought I could keep going as long as it took. Um, I still had a lot of food. I had just refilled all my water. Um, I was, I was good to go. It was just, it was cold, so I couldn't stop. But if I was moving, I was staying pretty warm because it was so much work. And, uh, it was just a matter of like ignoring the pain in my knees. Was there, was there a possibility of losing too much blood? I don't think so. Um, I was bleeding a lot through my knees. Like my shoes are just kind of pooled of blood, but, uh. But it, was, it wasn't like deep wounds. It was just abrasions. So I wasn't worried about blood loss. And the, the fracture didn't break the skin. So that wasn't an issue there. Um, so no, blood loss wasn't an issue. And uh, 
Yeah. So then, when you when you started again, I'm assuming down was probably the the most painful of all because of your your position and the the pressure on the back of you. It was down down was a uh, was the most exhausting thing actually. Go, going up was a lot easier than going down, but uh, just because it, it was like doing decline push-ups, you know. Mm. Uh, so I figured out that it was easier to go backwards downhill. Um, so I was just like looking between my legs and crawling backwards uh but it was real slow and i couldn't see that well so it was i started to slow down a lot after i placed that 911 call um i had been crawling uh i had my strava on still (laughs) i was was doing uh 30 minute mile or no sorry what was it it took me two hours to do a mile so wow and that's the pace i was going at for most of that um, so yeah, even at that point I knew like, well, it's going to take me probably five more hours to get to those campers. Mm. But, uh, and, and did, did, uh, is there wildlife to be worried around in that area or are they all, do you have coyotes and, and the such or mountain lions or? Yeah, there are mountain lions. That's, that's probably the biggest worry. And <laughs> funny enough, I, uh, I, I keep a knife in my bag, and I had seen when I was in that snowy stretch. Mm-hmm. After I turned around, I had seen what I thought might be a cougar footprint in the in the snow, and uh, it had me pretty spooked. So I'd taken my knife out, and I was running with my knife in my hand when I happened to fall, and I, I fell and dropped the knife, and realized later that I didn't have it on me anymore. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a scare. Was that I was in a very vulnerable position. Mm had something had i come across something but uh luckily i didn't so how how long how much long did you have to crawl from the top um so i placed that call at 12 30 and i made contact or i i saw search and rescue at 4 20 so another four hours and, and what did that look like was it lights coming to you was it noises or um, it was so I, I had just reached what was going to be a, a huge descent into to that campsite. I think I was a mile from the campsite, and uh, and I just heard heard somebody yell, and it was I don't know I, I felt like it was like a mirage of some sorts, you know, because I I had been I had been yelling for the last what was it ten hours at that point ten and a half hour, mm-hmm. um, like it, every every ten minutes I would stop and yell. So what would you yell? just yelling help just hoping someone would hear me but uh it's kind of kind of fruitless in those mountains there's no way those mm. campers were hearing me from the other side of the peak um so so i just heard them and like didn't believe it the first time and then i heard it again and was just like oh man they're really coming and looked down and saw some flashlights and uh just yelled and said hey i'm up here on the trail and how did they then get you out because you would have still been as three miles out was it yeah i was probably th- three and a half, four miles from the trailhead at that point. Um, so they they came up and a firefighter put me in a splint right away, wrapped me in blankets and put a bunch of hot pads on me. <clears throat> and they load me into this thing called a litter, which is like basically like a stretcher with a big wheel on the bottom and uh, loaded me onto that. They said they were going to have a helicopter c- come and do rescue because the the hike in for them they thought would be too hard to push the litter through because it's it's a pretty uh pretty steep and like rocky narrow Mm -hmm. so they went with the heli rescue and 
they were they said the Coast Guard answered the call and was going to come at sunrise. They wanted to wait for the sun, so we had about two and a half hours to go. So they loaded oh, me. God, how frustrating! Yeah, they uh, they loaded me on the litter and ro- wheeled me back up the the hill I just climbed on, and uh, and we waited at a clearing for a couple hours till the helicopter came. And during those kind of that those two hours, did it suddenly sink in what had just happened? Because you finally had some time to to be with your thoughts. Yeah, that's when it, the gravity of it kind of fell on me. Like, holy shit, I'm gonna I'm gonna live to tell this story. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I it, it felt like such a dream state for so long, and then there were other people around, and it was really happening. I don't know. It was pretty surreal. And and um, did you like how how do you feel about the whole thing now? Um, well, so initially, like while I was still there with search and rescue, my my initial feelings were just like utter embarrassment, like to have to get so much help for something that I just wanted to go off and do on my own. You know, like I don't expect anyone to even care that I'm out there running, and now I've got eight people there saving my life and then however many more it's going to take. And, uh, so I was just embarrassed. I was thinking of how I'm going to, how I'm going to cover up some of this story when I have to tell my mom what happened. (laughs) Make it sound less dramatic, less traumatic. Uh, but I don't know. I've, it, I've gotten such like an outpour of love and support and like people are really inspired by this in a way that I did not expect at all. Um, so I don't know. It's totally reframed how I look at it. Like I'm, I'm glad so many people are inspired by it. I thought that it would just be a bunch of people telling me how stupid I am for running alone in the wilderness. But, um, what type of things have they said? Oh, everything you'd imagine. The internet's a funny place, but, uh, but I don't know. It's been a lot of like friends telling me that I, if they had to bet on anybody, it would have been me kind of thing, which is, I don't know, so cool that anyone would even think that way about me. But uh, other people just, a lot of people saying there's no way they could have done it or that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. I think I think there's no, you, you don't know what you would do in that kind of situation. I think it's, it's something I've always thought about. I always love those like Discovery Channel shows, like I shouldn't be alive and stuff for that kind of thing. Mm. Kind of always fantasized like what, what would I do if I was in a situation where I just had to had to survive, you know? Do you think your your subconscious maybe slipped a little bit <laughs> intentionally on that? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I do kind of romanticize it. So maybe I put myself there, but um. And 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 how are you physically now? What what have been the repercussions of, of that crawl? Um they've been surprisingly not so bad. So I had that fracture, so I went straight into surgery when they got me to the hospital that day. Um, they put a rod through the length of my tibia, and then they put pins and screws through my fibula to attach it at the top and the bottom of that. Um, so I've got some big incision wounds and some hardware in my leg, and then just some like serious knee abrasions, but they're healing up pretty nice, honestly. Um, I don't know how they'll look long term, but the scabs are coming off. Uh, Probably pretty then, cool, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you some pictures. Uh, and then the the fracture is just 12 weeks total. It should be fully healed, given that I uh, do all the physical therapy and stuff 
um, it's it's kind of just playing out like a basic leg fracture would, despite the t- trauma of the story. It's just like if I fell off my bike or something. So, so you you'll be back running relatively soon then. Hopefully this summer. And do you do you think outside of the physical wounds, have you been? Has this scared you? Has it? Will this change your attitude? Do you think? Oh yeah, it's got to. Um, I mean, I don't. I can't. I don't know if I can go back and run the same way that I was. I I can't go out there all by myself, so far from civilization, and uh, I don't know. Even with a beacon or something, that that a lot of the criticism I've been getting is that I should have had a beacon or a, a sat phone, but the story wouldn't be that different. I still would have had like search and rescue wouldn't have been able to get me where I fell. I would mm-hmm. have had all through those sections still. The story would have just been a little shorter, you know. There's there's a there's really not a great solution to the problem other than having someone else to run with or just not being so so far out. Mm. So. And, and what do you put your survival down to? Are there a few key decisions and a, a few bits of kit that you think really made the difference? Yeah, I think it was just purely um, having like a one-track mind, like knowing what the plan was and just pursuing it, not thinking about all the other stuff. Um, and just like confidence in my body that I could keep myself moving for as long as I would need to. And, and there's been uh, bef- off before we started recording that you've had quite a lot of media interest. Has it, has it in general been quite positive and, and well received? Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, all of the outreach I've had has been very positive. Just people wanting to share the story. Um, I guess it's, it's more unique of a story than I gave myself credit for, but um, yeah, it's been a lot of a lot of positive outreach. So uh, we've got a few questions we're going to quickly throw from uh, from the podcast on Instagram. Um, one of them was to do with um, you know which is, if there's any kit that you'd now recommend you take that you you hadn't previously that you you think now is more essential than you'd realised. Honestly, only maybe getting a beacon because um, they're they're pretty light it wouldn't change my setup all that much and it, w- it would just be like a good sense of security but outside of that i i think i had everything that i could have had um aside from like running with shelter and warm clothes to change into you know which i think would be overkill <laughs> uh and, so. and do you do you think that runners in general because you know, we're it's slightly different in the UK because everywhere is so so much smaller. But do you think we do go out prepared enough, or are we a bit foolhardy? To be honest, I'm not totally certain what other trail runners do. I um, I don't <laughs> I don't socialize that much with many other trail runners, so I'm not sure what what the standards are for what people bring out. Now, um, I've got I've got one question from someone called Dad. What runs on Strava? Um, <laughs> sorry, what, what, on the Instagram, what did you call the run on Strava? Did you upload it? I uploaded it. I actually haven't named it yet, but I was just gonna call it the crawl. I think. <laughs> and <laughs> did you? Funny. It, uh, it it mapped my helicopter ride. So oh, my, wow. my my runs this little jagged trail run and then it jogs like 60 miles straight across the water. 
And did you get some people complaining about the fact that it it wasn't correctly, um, it wasn't actually a run, and it it ruined their splits and things like that? No, no, no complaints. I got a lot of followers out of it, which is pretty funny because <laughs> I I think I had two followers now. I have like fifteen or something. Uh, <laughs> But, what's your what's your um, Instagram handle for people that so they can check out the? I don't have an Instagram. My Strava, I think, is just my name. I think it's just Joe Oldendorf. Um, and it it's also a little misleading because uh, you know you can put your Strava to like auto pause. Mm. Um, and that's what it was on for the first uh, maybe like three miles of the crawl. So if you happen to look at it, that's why it's missing some of the miles. And we've got a question from Obstacle Running Adventures. Um, did you have a mantra that you repeated to yourself during the ordeal? Um, so it was kind of almost childish. I literally was telling myself, "Let's go meet, make some friends at that campsite." Like you're gonna, you're gonna keep moving. You're gonna go make some friends, uh, and that was it. Keep moving, go make friends. Um, so it's just that, and then I. Um, I've been listening to Working Man's Dead by the Grateful Dead a lot that week, so just kind of singing some dead songs in my head. <laughs> or they, sort of ironically, singing dead songs in an effort to stay alive. Yeah. Maybe you should have gone for the Bee Gees or something instead. <laughs> it worked out. And do you think you're going to find that what you look for from running now differs because you loved the fact that you went for these long runs where you almost found yourself in a state of zen um, do you think this experience they will change what you appreciate and what you enjoy i don't think it will although um it'll i mean i guess it'll make me just appreciate the things i already did a lot more like i still really appreciate that solitude and going out really long and i still plan on doing that um just maybe not in places where i could be so vulnerable like that um mm. yeah and so um if there's any would you would you uh where are you based if there's any runners out there on the podcast that want to run with you because then at least you've got a training partner sure in, um, illinois i was living in seattle um and my lease will be up in a, like a month here, so I'll be pretty unbound. But I'll I'll be in Chicago for at least a few months here, then hopefully back to the Northwest. We'll see though. And if people do want to follow you in the future, you've mentioned your Strava. Are there any other ways in which they can kind of get in touch or um, see what you're up to? Um, no, I don't really do any of the other social medias. Um, I'd be willing to share my email if anyone wanted to write to me, though. Well, it, um, do bad is if you if you did want to reach out to Joe. Um, I mean, you're you're welcome to share on the podcast. So if you'd like me to pass it on to them, um, that's fine as well. Do get in touch with me on Facebook directly, and I can share that with with you. Um, yeah, I'd well, love to question. Sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Joe. It's it's just an incredible story, and um, hopefully one that actually shows that. You know, if you prepare well you can get through most things and we'll hopefully encourage people to actually get out there on trails ironically given the situation but hopefully it will show that people can can survive even under direst direst circumstances um and we wish you luck in the future with uh, getting back into running and uh, and finding your new zen and if you ever make it to london 
or take you on trails where there's people every two minutes and you'll be you'll be wishing you were back out yeah okay i'd love to my brother just moved to barcelona so there's a chance i'll be in europe this summer oh amazing well let us know if you do if you are and uh we'll hopefully stay in touch until then heck yeah thanks david thanks joe all the best whoa i mean fair play right that is that is that is very impressive well it's it's the, what because it's so interesting how different people react to these situations and because i think now with you know the because news is so much more international than it used to be you hear about yeah crazy situations more often and it's it, it's it's interesting that some people you know, they, they, they leave loads of voicemails to everyone and they they think about all the things they've missed, they will miss in their lives and they'll want to get married. Whereas Joe was just, all right, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> just get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. They talk about that survival instinct, don't they? Um, that, that some people have, like some people, you know, I don't know. I wonder whether it, it's like, it's like when you're in the late stages of a, of an ultra, and you just go, oh, I'm just going to crawl, just going to crawl to the next hedge. I'm just going to crawl to the next tree. I'm just going to mm. crawl. Yeah. And that's the way you do it. You just chunk it down into, into those little, little things. And don't think about the enormity of, of like where you are or how far you're at or all the danger around you. You just, you just focus on the, the task at hand. And in many senses, that's mindfulness. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, exactly. In many ways, this could be a new form of mindfulness or the beginning of a new type of race. I mean, people, if, if we put mindfulness in the title, the SEO on this is going to just <laughs> going to be huge. The listenership will be incredible. Um, yeah, and it, it's that's the thing. With, it's so hard to know how you'd react, you know, how we'd react, because it's so unique. And oh, I, think, I think I'd know how I'd react. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I'm in any trouble as to how I'd react. Libby! <laughs> I wouldn't be calling for Libby. I'd be calling for you, David. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that's the thing. It's America's so much bigger than the UK, and we just don't have these worries in the same way because ultimately we're going to be on. It's, it's quite hard to not be on any path at all that's that's frequented. Yeah. If you're going out in normal weather, potentially going up to Scotland will will make a difference. Yeah. And, um, you know, around there, there are, there are a lot of areas that are harder to get to. Um, but in, 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 in the in London, it was in England, in Wales a little bit, but in England, you'd have to be doing really well to get yourself properly lost to an extent. Yeah. I'm wearing yeah. camouflage. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and people you, are hating you and intentionally not wanting to. <laughs> <laughs> I was walking along with my dog, and I saw this runner who I didn't like. Uh, and I, just <laughs> pre- I pretended I didn't see and help, so I just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I, I needed a to- I needed the toilet, so I just had a little little pee on the boy. Maybe no, don't don't have to get on that. Yeah, and and but. I guess the the shame will be if this could fundamentally change how he how he views how he spends his time running in the future. And but does it does it ever do that to any anyone that this has happened to, or does it make go? Yeah, I handled that. I can handle anything now. 
Yeah, true, true. Um, well, hopefully that will be the case. Uh, but it's just such a long recovery, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. And, well. It reminds me, you, it reminds me of a touch in the void. Did you, did you ever see that? Mm, amazing. Yeah, and he basically had to crawl all the way down a mountain. Um, to, the difference is that he was then confronted, then had to confront the person who uh, who cut the rope. Um, so he didn't have. At least he had that thing going through his mind um, mm. that what am I going to say to him when I see him type thing. Um, whereas I think, yeah, it's uh, yeah, this is just it's just difficult to comprehend doing it. That's all. It's just like you try and yeah, think this absolutely. is what this. Yeah, you know, when you're faced with it, would I actually do that? Could I do it? Like, and not even knowing whether it's possible. Well, there's only one way to find out, Jaddy. <laughs> this is my. This might happen when I'm on my Iron Man. I get. I'll get on the bike ride, and then the bike will go over, and I'll, I'll have to crawl twenty miles before someone helps me. But do better. How do you think you'd react? Is it as uh, expected? Do you, do you think most of us were going to survival mode? Do you think as ultra runners? <laughs> You're we asking are? the wrong audience here. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you eat? Who would I you would, eat? <laughs> I'd, run, I'd crawl two miles and then I think maybe maybe those cans of brew dog in my backpack may not be the best <laughs> the best weight to have while I'm trying to crawl myself back to survival. <laughs> I'm trying to think, if we, as episodes to recommend, have we had any other guests that were in a similar situation that, that yeah, have yeah. been at death's door? Well, um, mm. Charlie, yeah. Charlie was yeah. really good. Charlie was she, suffering from. Uh, we about oh, to say G Law. We about to say G Law. G Law's <laughs> always at death's door because he's always at permanent threat of being punched in the face. He is, he is indeed. So um, yeah, Charlie Webster is a really good one to look at if you uh, to, to listen to if you've enjoyed this one. She cycled to the Olympics in Brazil and then ended up in a coma on a life support machine. If you like trail running in America, who's who's the best person we spoke to about? Probably Candice Burt. She does. She organises yeah. a lot of two hundred mile races across um, across North America. And she does a lot of races herself. Any others you'd recommend, Jody? No, no, I think that I think in terms of survival, I can't think of who else. Like we haven't actually done that many survival episodes, have we? Yeah, it's it's such unusual circumstances when ultra running turns into survival. So hopefully there aren't that many stories out there. But there we, we, why did, how, how have we not got on um, that guy who attacked a bear? Isn't it? Surely there wasn't there that story or a, t- or a mountain lion or something like that. Wasn't he attacked a, a bear. Did... Well, no, we get, the, we get the bear on. <laughs> How did he make you feel? Um, yeah, I'm sure that, that, that we see here lots of like survival stories. Like also that um, that um, lady runner who was assaulted and didn't she like go back multiple times to beat the shit out of the guy and and. and or something and she got on Strava it was all on Strava wasn't it the chase or whatever uh and that was that that was quite incredible um I don't know I don't know how you'd approach that interview yeah I mean it's you don't really want to dig because normally an interview is about finding out more detail and I don't know if you necessarily want to pry there but um but we'll we'll keep our eyes out for some new guests and and do bad as if there are any guests out there you'd like us to interview then get in the Facebook group and tag us and we'll go out there and find them. 
if you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe. Leave us a five-star ratings on iTunes. It, it really helps us attract new guests. Um, and if you want to put questions to our guests in the future, then follow us on Instagram. We post in advance, and you can then put your questions there, and we'll ask the people directly. Marvellous. Absolutely. Take care, guys, and uh, we'll see you next time. Fuck you, buddy.